This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a tremendous day out there. State Fair starts today. That's exciting. I will be out there today talking to Wild General Manager Bill Guerin at 2.15 p.m. And then Dan Winnesota right after that at 3. Um, I'm sure Bill and I will talk plenty about the upcoming season, about a little bit of the off-season drama, and I'll probably bring you that conversation on Friday's podcast as well. And Dan Winnesota, we will certainly talk about his book, A Slapshot in Time. He and I talked about that on the podcast a few weeks ago about the fighting saints and a lost era of old-time hockey. So if you're heading out to the fair today, please come see me. If you're heading out tomorrow, you can see me as well. I'll be with Timberwolves General Manager Tim Connolly at 2 p.m. All of this happening at the Star Tribune stage. Not hard to find. You will find it pretty easily, but uh, please come check that out and all of the rest of the Star Tribune programming out at the State Fair. Got a great show today. Jerry Zagoda will join me in a little while to talk Minnesota United Soccer, one of the hottest teams in Major League Soccer, one of the hottest teams in this market. Seven wins, two draws, one loss in their last 10 matches. 25 goals scored in that span. Um, getting themselves all the way up to number four in the Western Conference standings, not far off from number three. They play this weekend with a chance to kind of further give themselves some cushion in that Western Conference playoff race. Um, also get to some Twins stuff here in a little bit, some interesting postgame comments from Rocco Baldelli. They released the 2023 MLB schedule, and while schedule releases don't generally do much for me, it was a good reminder of some big changes coming up in baseball next season. And Patrick Beverly, former Timberwolves guard, reportedly getting traded to the Lakers. We'll finish up with that. But first, what did I miss? You know, um, the podcast that I listen to the most, and it's a little bit sad and weird, um, is Daily Delivery, uh, the Star Tribune uh, podcast uh, hosted by uh, me. I listen to virtually every episode. Obviously, I'm listening to it first as I'm editing it and you know recording it, uh, but I do listen to it on playback um, after it's been published just to kind of hear how it sounds, see if I missed something, see if there's something I did that I should have maybe done differently, just kind of always trying to perfect the craft, trying to do trying to do things just a little bit better. Um, so, you know, whenever I go for a run or a walk or if I'm just hanging out around the house, I do listen to that. It's only half an hour, like you guys know, uh, so it's not uh, not a huge time commitment. But uh, other, I do listen to some other podcasts, though, and one that I've been enjoying a lot lately um, is a podcast by Michael Lewis, um, Against the Rules. It's uh, Michael Lewis, author of many, many books um, I've read. Almost all of them. Strangely enough, um, one of his his most famous book probably is Moneyball. I have not read Moneyball. I've read almost every other Michael Lewis book, but I haven't read Moneyball. I think I'm just. I think I feel like I know everything that's in Moneyball because I've seen the movie. I kind of know kind of the story, but I probably need to go back and read that at some point. But I've read a lot of his other work, and I'm enjoying this podcast and especially this season that I'm listening to right now about experts and the idea of the role that experts play in our society. Um, you know, and I'm I'm not a I'm not an expert per se in the same kind of vein that he's talking about in a lot of his episodes. Like I'm not a forensic expert. I'm not, you know, some sort of medical expert. I'm not a statistical expert um, that played some sort of major role in, you know, the pandemic, things like that. But, you know, I have a certain amount of acquired 
and you know uh, assumed knowledge about Minnesota sports. I don't think I would have this job if I didn't. So I'm in some ways maybe considered an expert on Minnesota sports. And one of the big things, one of the big takeaways from this season on the podcast is that we have a little bit of an expert problem sometimes because experts have a hard time saying, I don't know. I don't know when something, you know, I don't, they're trained to, you know, be confident. They're trained to, you know, have an opinion or have some sort of expertise on it. And when they, when they truly are coming up on something where they don't know, it's hard for an expert to say that. All of that as a preamble, um, if I could be considered somewhat of an expert on Minnesota sports and the Minnesota Vikings, let me say about this year's Vikings that I feel like we are dealing with the most incomplete or least complete, however you want to look at it, uh, set of information in terms of how this season might shake out than I can ever remember. And part of it is just how the modern NFL is constructed, right? We've got one fewer preseason games now. Teams are limited more in what they can do in the off seasons. There's way less, you know, hitting, contact. The starters for the Vikings haven't played, you know, most of their best players haven't played a single snap in the preseason. So anything you can glean from how they might do is, you know, is only from listening to them talk or watching them in, you know, what can, you know, controlled situations. You know, and I heard Adam Thielen talking the other day, I think it was with Paul Allen, uh, talking about how, um, you know, they're getting a lot out of this anyway. It doesn't matter that they don't play in the preseason. Um, and I get that. I think that's true. Um, I, I think there's a difference between having it be meaningful for what we see and having, having it be meaningful for what they do. But long story short is that it feels like this this year's team has such a high level of volatility, unpredictability, because you know you get the new regime, you know Kevin O'Connell's new system, new defense, three four scheme, um, Ed Donatel's defense. You know a lot of the same players in these systems, but we're not really seeing much of what they can do yet. So any attempt to make a prediction about this team feels. Like it's a difficult errand at this point. And people have tried. I saw ESPN the other day not high on the Vikings. Their uh, their power rankings to start the year, um, ranking all the teams 1 through 32. Um, yeah, NFL preseason power rankings. Vikings number 23 on that list. That feels pretty low to me. But again, um, you know, if you're if you're going into this thinking... Uh, everybody's a year older. They haven't made the playoffs for two straight seasons. We don't know how all these new pieces fit together. Not sold on this top-heavy roster. If there's any kind of injuries, any kind of depth problems, this team's going to be in trouble. I can buy that because, again, the, the body of evidence just isn't there to suggest that you know that they that they might turn some sort of corner this year. That said, the body of evidence, you know, the, the recent evidence doesn't necessarily suggest they can't do that either because we just haven't really seen anything yet and you know Thielen was talking the other day too about you know everybody's going to forget about that once the regular season starts yeah they will but then we'll have actual we'll have, we'll have some actual information to go on but I feel like we in the past we've probably known way more about teams um, you know for multiple reasons like I've already enumerated the you know players play a little bit more in the preseason if you had an, a holdover coaching staff like the Vikings had with Mike Zimmer from 2014, you know, 2014 through 2021, you could get a better sense for what you might expect from year to year. This year, 
new coaching staff, doing it a certain way where we're not really seeing much in the preseason, um, a bunch of new faces trying to be these depth pieces for them. Um, I'm here to say, even as a quote-unquote expert on Minnesota sports, that I am very confused about what we might see from the Vikings this season. And I guess the the only thing we can do is wait and see until we have a little bit more information. We can try to make predictions right now. We can try to guess all we want at what this team will be. We can probably safely say they'll probably be somewhere in the middle of the pack again because that seems like kind of where they usually wind up. But if we're being honest about it and we're trying to, you know, instead of just trying to puff up our chests and be actual experts on this, I think if we're being honest about it, we would say, I don't know. I don't know what this team is going to be. We need more information before we're going to find that out. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineAndSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Time for a little Minnesota United soccer talk with Jerry Zagoda covers the loons for the Star Tribune. Jerry, how you doing? Good, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Have you yourself scored for the for the loons uh, in these last ten matches? Because it feels like everybody else has. Uh, my goodness, the the offense, which was the story in a negative way at the beginning of the year, where they're basically like getting a goal a game if they were lucky, has been tremendous form lately. They're seven seven wins, one loss, two draws in their last ten matches, and twenty five goals I count in those. 10 and that's a recipe for success if you score two and a half a game in soccer you're likely going to come out with a lot of good results um jerry what what's the you know how do we account for this you know this surge in scoring especially when we compare it to the struggle they had earlier in the year well i would have scored a goal but it says uh specifically on my pass not allowed on the field okay sorry <laughs> you would have Otherwise, i would have scored at least one or two I think I can. I think you can attribute a lot to the front four getting healthy and uh, this little bit of a change they had by sticking uh, Bongi. I'm not even going to do his whole full name. Let's just call him Bongi up at that right spot. And they they had to move Lud down basically because they had injuries on necessity. And then they found he can play just about anywhere. And Bongi gives him a lot more pace. And I think the biggest we may have discussed this even before. I think the biggest thing is Fra- uh, Franco Fragapani has gotten healthy. Has gotten fit and is playing like they thought. You know, it takes these guys sometimes a year, to blood a year to kind of get acclimated. And uh, I think he's been a big difference. I mean, uh, Reynoso's always good, but you know he's been particularly good. But when you got Bongi's pace and you got Franco attacking on that that far post, um, I think I think it makes uh, Reynoso even better. He just you can just see the passes that he um, he serves forward to. To, to both those guys. And I think that's the biggest thing is that front four is finally playing like they thought they were going to play. I mean, what did, what did, uh, um, Fragapani go? He went like 13 games. I don't know. He went in the teens, I think, start the season, not scoring a goal. And then all of a sudden he gets, uh, six and 10 and four and five or whatever, whatever the numbers were. But, uh, I, I think those are the biggest things. And, you know, they're going to probably, you know, I'm sure they'll keep Lud where he is. That means other guys aren't going to probably play, whether it's Will Trapp or, or, or who else. But uh, uh, unless somebody gets hurt or they 
get into a scoring funk, they're going to, I'm sure they'll ride that front four all the way to the playoffs. Well, that's interesting too, because you know it's not traditionally probably where you would think of Ludd thriving, but it seems like it's you know kind of get your best players in their best spots and wow. and work from there. And you know you don't mess with what's working. Um, you know that said, how does that spot suit Ludd's game? Well, he's played all over the place. He's played that for the for the Finnish national team. He's played up front. You know, he can play on the wing. He's played either side of the wing. I think the right side is is better for him, but. Um, you know, they put him up top as, quote-unquote, the false striker. So he's just kind of a versatile guy who, I think because of his Finnish national team, he's played a bunch of different places. And, and here, they, they've done that too. You know, I don't think they're going to move Kervin uh, Ariaga out, so they'll probably keep those two guys together. And then, then it's just a question of where Heath can take time for guys like Trapp and Joseph Rosales and, uh, uh, and you know, other guys they have at that position. I mean, they went from having – five guys for two spots and they had a bunch of injuries. They could barely find two guys healthy. Now they're back to having what uh, Adrian calls an abundance of those central midfielders. Which is a nice and even problem to have, but a nice situation to have, especially like you alluded to when they had so many depth problems earlier in the year. And he's, he's said repeatedly, you know, different years, you know, I think even last year, like when they were, when they were really good, it was when they're, you know, it's no secret is when their best players were not only playing well, but staying healthy. And that was a, a problem last year, getting them all on the field at the same time. And, you know, I guess the secret again, this year will be fitness, but it, it sounds like they're in relatively good health right now. Yeah, they're, they're uh, in really good. They have a couple of little, Araga's got an ankle that he's been kind of hobbling on a little bit. And <laughs> I'm not sure Reynoso is completely healthy. I think he's got a couple of things with his legs. He got kicked in the calf the other night. He's had an ankle, just, just little things that hasn't kept him out, but I don't think it, he's, Quite 100 percent, but um, other than that, that you know, it's it's what uh, Adrian says. Now he's got the the uh, good task of having headaches to figure out, you know, where everybody plays and how much. And to do that with the All Star team, maybe he has to do that with the with the loons now. But uh, I saw your I saw a quote the other day from him worried about a trap game. Are they good enough now to be worried about trap games against uh, against Houston? I know they're fourth in in the standings. And they've had some good wins. Austin being a really good one last weekend Nashville before that, but is, are we, are we good enough to, to be worried about trap games, Jerry? Well, maybe one of the, us media weasels kind of brought it out of him. I don't okay. Know if person mentioned that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so when you only lost one of 10, you know, whatever you want to call it, you do have to be worried about going down, not going down, going to Allianz. And, uh, you know, they've, they've had those games this year where you think it's a uh, sure three points for them to come out with one or, Maybe once or twice zero. So, um, uh, you know, the question is, are, are they good enough where they don't have to worry about it, whatever you call it? And uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, what what uh, Saturday proves out. Now they've got a lot of matches coming up, but only what like maybe eight left in the regular season before it's all done. Um, Saturday, yeah, like you forty six days, I think it is. Yeah, and so they've got you know they've got a handful six six of them kind of coming in bunches now they just beat austin which is you know number two in the western conference lafc clear of everyone by a lot clear of the loons by 16 points still clear of austin by nine points they're clearly the you know kind of the top of of the table but you know with with what the loons have been doing now up to fourth and with two games in hand on third place dallas and just you know one point behind dallas it doesn't feel as much so much like a a a desperate kind of you know sprint to try to get a playoff spot they got to be thinking now about 
top four home field and even securing like a top three and feeling like they, they have a team if they stay healthy to, you know, to actually make some, some noise in the playoffs, which is quite a bit different than I think they probably felt even just a few weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it wasn't all that long ago, well, obviously more than 10 games ago, but they were off place, you know, North down and all of a sudden zoom they're, they're up. I mean, I asked a couple of people and asked Heath, you know, so what's the goal now? Is it making the playoffs? Is it, is it home field advantage? Is it trying to get, Possibly even aiming really high and trying to catch Austin. They're seven points away uh, with, with eight, eight games left, which you wouldn't think is likely, but uh, maybe you want to aim high and, and aim for that. But uh, I, I think by and large, they, they, the thing is to get a home field advantage. I think they've got the point now where they don't just want to you know, get one of those eight spots. They want to get one of those top four spots. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, yeah. And they've, they've kind of redefined their goals along the way here, uh, I'm sure. But I, do you, I mean, do you have a handle? Do they have a handle yet on, you know, is this a hot streak or is this really a team that's kind of turned a corner to a place now where they, they, they can think a little bit bigger than that? Well, I think, I think over 10 games, I think they're thinking this is who they are. This is who they always thought they were. Um, but then you had, like, like you said, you had the, Injuries and guys who hadn't quite peaked yet, you know, guys who weren't in, in full health, primarily those guys in the in the front four. I mean, that makes all the difference in the world if all of a sudden they're, they're a threat to score. You know, if they're scoring two and a half goals a game. Um, so I, I, I and, and Heath has always talked about this team is better than people think it is. He even would say that during the tough times when they're going through the bad stretches and, uh, you know, the last six weeks have kind of borne him out. Couple of things for you, Jerry, before we finish up this Minnesota United discussion. Um, you know, like you said, he, uh, Adrian Heath now has the challenge of trying to work different players in, and you know, trying to keep keep players happy with playing time. You know, they've they've made some some signings, trying to work some guys in. How, how do you think they will they will kind of factor in down the stretch here? Well, it'll be interesting to see. They got this Mender Garcia who came in last week. Finally, they worked and worked to get his visa, and it took a while, but they got him in, and he's the kind of guy who. You just saw him in a limited 10 minutes substitution on, on Saturday, but he has what they call the same kind of pace that, that Bongi has. But finally, this team's got some speed to it, which, which it has lacked. So we'll see how, excuse me, how Adrian utilizes, um, you know, whether he can find a way to play both those guys or just how he can use that. They've also got uh, Joseph Gonzalez, who was, you know, this big young rising star kid who grew up in Northern California, ended up going to play for a Monterey big club in, in Mexico and um, never really fulfilled the promise. He played for the Mexican national team instead of the U.S. national team, which was quite a, uh, a thing at the time. But um, he's also in here, and we'll see what he, what he can bring them. He wants to stay here. They've, they've signed him through the end of the year with an option to keep him on after, after that. So it'll be interesting both those guys to see them play a little bit more and how he fits them in and how they do. I'll be interested to see how they do against Houston this weekend. Cause like you said, they've, they have struggled sometimes this year when expectations get a little bigger and they play these, you know, teams, the games they should win as opposed to, you know, the games where they, you know, know that they have to be focused because they're playing someone at their level or even higher. So that, that's a good test. It's probably a good, a good way to look at it. And we'll see how that match on Saturday turns out. Jerry, good stuff. Appreciate you checking in on daily delivery. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks Mike. 
Good stuff from Jerry Zagoda. As always, love catching up with Jerry. Like we said, Loons have a match this weekend. We'll see how they can keep progressing. Home match against Houston on Saturday. Um, you know, chance to kind of keep moving up in the table, keep uh, keep the good vibrations going. They, you know, like I said, the 25 goals in the last 10 matches after scoring 17 goals in their first 16 matches. And again, defense, goalkeeper Dane St. Clair keeping them in a lot of those early matches, getting some results, some wins and some draws. But now the offense really clicking. If they can keep both of those things going into the rest of the regular season, they will be a very tough out once we get to the Major League Soccer playoffs. Let's move on to the Twins. A lot of times this week we've bled with the Twins at the start of the show. We're getting to them a little bit in the back half because not much is changing with this team. Another game, another loss. That's five in a row. This time five to three to the Astros followed a very similar script to uh, the game Tuesday where they you know, didn't have much going at all offensively until the very end, made it close in the end, had a little ninth-inning rally that threw a scare into the Astros. But in both cases, coming up short, they've come up short against good teams all year. They've come up short against the Astros all year. That's 0-5 against Houston now. But the interesting thing to me, you know, not just feeling like this thing is slipping away now that they're four games back of Cleveland, uh, feels to me like Rocco Baldelli is really trying to reach Di- reach down deep into this team and try to pull something out of them because he understands where they were at, where they are kind of teetering at, at this point in the season. Had some interesting things to say post-game about, you know, differences between playing hard and playing well, that this team is still playing hard. They're doing the things he wants them to do, but he senses that they need to be playing a little bit more freely. Let's hear from the Twins manager after Wednesday's loss changing a team's mindset or general feel or energy it's not an easy thing to do um but i but i do think that we just need to play baseball and not be um you know worrying about the stresses of the fact that we haven't been playing well i think that uh you know doing just allowing our guys to go out there and play naturally and go out there and do you know all the the wonderful things that they can do out there which we haven't seen for a little while but um you know, freeing them up, I think, mentally is is one of the best things that we can do for them right now. Um, and you know what? Instead of beating around the bush, I just told them that. You know, I just I just let them know that. And um, sometimes maybe it just takes, uh, you know, acknowledging it for a second instead of, um, you know, trying to fight it. Just let it go and just go out there and play baseball. This happens in this game, and we try to find ways – through all of the ups and downs of a, of a baseball season to explain why performance, you know, both individually and collectively goes up and down at times. Um, it's a very difficult thing to understand, even for people that are in the clubhouse all the time and the players themselves and even me. Uh, sometimes you don't know why that happens. Um, and there's never one particular way to uh, change it for in either direction you know with generally you're always wanting to play better so um you know very very complicated uh questions and uh trying to get you know guys to show up and do things different physically is one part of our job but i also think maybe even more importantly getting guys to come in and sometimes change uh the general mentality which can change the stress level which can change a lot of different things for a player. And I, I've said this from 
my first day here, um, a relaxed player is a good player. And it is. It's harder to relax and just let your ability do the talking when, um, you know, for a period of time, you're not playing the way you want to. So uh, let's free them up and let the guys go do what they do. You know, I think there's something to that. I also think there's something to this. The Twins just don't have the horses right now. They don't have the players the lineup just isn't good enough. They've had so many injuries. They've suffered so many setbacks. They, you know, Buxton being the latest one going on the injured list. They're just being asked to do more than I think they're capable of giving right now based on their personnel. And, you know, it's, you can't fix that. You can't magically make someone who's injured not injured. So you got to try to find creative ways to get more out of the players you have. And that's what Rocco's trying to do right now. But, if you're just looking at this team, honestly assessing it, they just don't really have the talent on the field right now on a night-in and night-out basis to consistently win. And I think that's going to play out over the next two weeks. I think that deficit might grow a little bit more. And if we get to September and it's you know five games, six games, and it starts to creep up a little bit more, I don't know how far they're going to make it. They've proven us wrong a few different times this year, but as this you know as this deficit continues to grow. I am not uh, not optimistic about their ability to pull out of it. So we will see about that. But the messaging from Rocco Baldelli, interesting. Trying to get this team to play more free, trying to get them to not care about it. Um, maybe using some colorful language in the messaging to players, cleaned it up for the uh, the media. But uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how uh, we'll see how this all plays out the year as the year goes on. But it, it just feels like it's less about playing free and it's more about getting your best players on the field. Let's stick with the Twins for just a minute. Reminder of uh, the the difference in next year's Major League Baseball schedule. Schedule came out on Wednesday. Twins will play every team in the major leagues. Um, differencing difference in how the schedule balances out. They do not anymore play the AL Central teams 19 times in a season. That's going to be a big difference for them next year. They've been so used to kind of this uh, this opportunity to feast on the lower teams in the AL Central, the Royals, the Tigers. You know, generally speaking, they've in the years they've won the American League Central in the last 20 years, they have generally feasted on those teams. Um, this year's no no different. Twins are 30 and 20 against the AL Central right now, um, including just really dominating uh, the Royals and Tigers. They're 19 and 10 against the Royals and Tigers. So 30 and 20 against everybody in, in the AL Central right now, and that means they are 32 and 40 against everybody else. Now, when you're going to play those teams only 13 times next season instead of 19, that's a pretty big difference. You're cutting 24 AL Central games out of the schedule. Um, going to be more of a challenge next year for the Twins and other teams who have gotten used to beating up on teams in their own division to uh, to succeed. So I'm going to be curious to see how that plays out for them next year, how the you know, a more balanced schedule, less of that division stuff, how that factors into how they look next year. And again, you're still going to have to win your division. Everybody in the division is going to have a different schedule, so maybe that's how it balances out. But I, I th- it'll, it will be more of a struggle, I think, because if, when you've seen the Twins play, in recent years, it's been them dominating that AL Central more than anything else. So that piece of the schedule release, and again, schedule releases being what they are, none of these games get played for another six months. Um, that part of it, at least, was interesting to me as a reminder of how the schedule is changing next season. Let's finish with the cooler. Patrick Beverly, a big part of the Wolves' success last season. You know, the defensive tenacity, the leadership, 
getting everybody on the same page defensively. Um, you know, the, in the in the in the Wolves signed him to an extension, a one-year extension in the middle of last season, uh, but then traded him as part of the Rudy Gobert trade earlier this year. Well, now it sounds like Patrick Beverly is on his way to the Lakers, which will be very interesting to me. Um, Beverly, of course, played quite a while with the Clippers, uh, 2017 to 2021. Um, playing alongside, you know, LeBron James and other other veterans with uh, you know, with the, with the Lakers, um, <laughs> the Lakers barely have anybody uh, on their uh, on their roster going forward beyond this season. But uh, we'll see how they look this year. But I, I'm very curious to see what uh, what Beverly will look like next to LeBron. How that kind of pairing will work for them and and, and all that. I think Patrick Beverly did some great things here. I think Patrick Beverly is probably best in medium size or smaller size doses. He can kind of outwear his welcome, I think, wear out his welcome uh, to a certain degree. I think he would have been good with the Wolves again this year if they hadn't traded him. But um, again, you have to move on. Business is business. And if you have a chance to get someone like Rudy Gobert, you have to go do that. And he's a salary piece that helped them make that match. But with the Lakers now, it'll be interesting to see when the Wolves play the Lakers if there's a little bit of uh, what, what what the relationship is like with Beverly and the Wolves and how much he can help in aging LeBron James and the rest of that crew try to get back on track. That will do it for today. Like I said, come see me at the fair. Bill Guerin, 2.15 today. Dan Winnesota, 3 p.m., hockey theme today. Um, like I said, Friday, 2 p.m., uh, Tim Connolly, Timberwolves general manager. Next week, next Tuesday, 11 a.m., going to be out there with Chip Scoggins and Patrick Royce, Star Tribune columnists, to talk about the new Patrick Royce book. So good stuff coming up out there. Even if you don't come see us, enjoy the fair if you are going. Enjoy your time the rest of this summer. And please listen again Friday because it'll be another good show tomorrow. Be back at it again. I'm Michael Rand. Talk to you then.